Hello, I'm Nick Bircher and this is the Nordic Future Makers podcast, a podcast about marketing, tech and innovation. In these sessions, I talk to some of the people who are doing amazing things in the Nordic region and I also talk to Nordic people who are doing amazing things elsewhere in the world. Today, I'm very happy to have my first returning guest. I'm joined by Frank Attia, who is the Managing Director of Adobe in the Nordic region. So, welcome back, Frank. Thank you, Nick, and thank you for having me back. As I'm looking forward to it because I spoke to you over a year ago now, and obviously a lot of things have happened since then, so, so it's great to catch up again. Absolutely. That's the least we can say. A lot of things have happened. <laughs> yeah, and and I think Adobe have been at, at the forefront of, of a lot of the things that have been going on. So, so I've got lots of things that I want to ask you about today. If we jump straight in, shall we just go for it and see where we end up? Absolutely, shoot. Okay. The first thing, over the last year, there have been, as we said, lots of things happening. Where everything seems to start is with the data. And I think that's a theme that I've seen you talking about, is this idea of the cookie-less future and getting on top of data is a really critical thing for for companies and the board and the C-level and everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the data has always been really critical in the ability of organization to create customer experiences that are personalized. The evolution of the market with some of the leading companies such as you know Google, Apple, and Microsoft progressively removing third-party cookies has made the challenge of data even more important. And all that has been greatly accelerated by the pandemic because with the pandemic, everything has turned to digital. I think we were already on, on that train, like things were more and more digital, Customers would engage more and more digitally, but clearly the pandemic, the, the, the confinement we've had during the pandemic has greatly accelerated uh, the, the digital engagement that customers have with their brands because people were stuck home, so they would engage mainly digitally. And that means that the ability to have the right understanding of your customers in order to create the right personalized experiences has become even more important. And all that starts with the data. Third-party cookies will progressively disappear. Some of them have already disappeared. And that's clearly presenting challenges for digital marketers. But it's also a great opportunity for them because they can, you know, it's, it's a chance for them to kind of redefine the, the relationship between customers and the brand, one that will be built even more on trust and respect. I think third-party cookies sometimes are perceived by customers as, you know, a way to spy, quote-unquote, on them. The, the ability of brands to drive their engagement on first-party cookies, uh, that are cookies that are collected with full consent uh, of customers in a very trustful relationship, is very, very important. So big data has got even bigger, and it's got more complicated to manage because the cookies are changing and all of those sort of things. And then there's extra regulation and everything else. So amazing opportunities if you get it right, but you need to be cleaning things and structuring things and getting everything set up 
really getting that foundation set up properly at the beginning. Yes, and I, and I would say it, it's going to be pretty disruptive, right? It's it's not only a smooth evolution. And yeah, let me take the example of retail, because I think retail is probably one of the, the industry that's going to be greatly impacted by that. I think historically, a lot of companies have advertised to, to their customers. So, and this is where they've used a lot uh, the third-party cookies. But customers today expect, as I said, a, a very trustful relationship, and they expect not to be advertised to, they expect to, to be engaging with personalized experiences that brands can create. So, you know, the, the way retail brands collect data, build audiences, uh, and deliver experiences is going to be changing. And it's interesting, we, we did, um, we, we, regularly every year, we do the Adobe Digital Trend, uh, which is a survey that we do uh, in EMEA. And one thing we heard is that there is about six out of 10 executives says that adapting to the requirement of the cookie future will be very disruptive for the way they conduct marketing. But again, they also recognize that you know, this disruption doesn't need to be a bad thing. They see that as an opportunity to use better quality data to better understand their customers, get you know, closer to them and build those trusting relationships with their customers. Have you seen it becoming a bigger thing at organizations? So it's not just the digital department or the IT department. It, it's you know, senior levels in the whole company thinking about this. Absolutely. I mean, this is, I would almost say the, the cookie-less question is on the agenda of every of, of board meetings because they know how important it is to get it right. Because it, it, it's kind of, uh, redefining the, the fundamentals of marketing, right? In the sense that you, you need to make sure that you have a very effective first-party cookie or first-party data strategy so that you can deliver what customers are expecting. The other thing that you know, we see very important is the real-time aspect of things. Very important in retail, but actually pretty important in a lot of industry. When, when a customer engages on a journey with a brand, a lot of things can happen in a real-time manner. You can be a retailer, but even you know a bank, an insurance company, sometimes even in the B2B world, uh, that there's some stuff that you need to be able to capture in, in a real-time manner in order to be able to drive this personalization. And, and, and another thing that I would say is also you need to be able to leverage AI because the elimination of third-party cookies mean that uh, you have a challenge in engaging with the unknown visitors, people that are starting to engage with you as a brand, but that you cannot yet identify with who you don't have yet a contract to collect their data in exchange for, for a good experience. So the ability of detecting patterns of unknown visitors, the ability to do lookalike in order to create experiences that are as personalized as possible for people you don't know yet is very, very important, all right? And then I would say you know, the ability to put the right skills around this technology to, to get organized in the right way to drive uh, your, your marketing activities and to, to drive this engagement with customers is also really important. So that, that speed to insight and the, the decision velocity and all, all of those sort of things becomes critical. Yes, absolutely. It's something where you 
you kind of need the data perspective of the CIO, and then you need the the customer insights perspective of of the CMO to be able to use the data to start to really drive the strategy and and all the things you want to do. Absolutely, you know, if you want to make this data actionable, you need insight. So once you've solved the the challenge of collecting data in order to to have you know an understanding of your customers, you say, okay, but what is the most interesting thing or the, the most interesting experience for a given customer based on their profiles, based on their behavior, based on how they have engaged with our brand, based on life events, right? They've just bought a house or maybe they need a new insurance or they need to, to hire a mover company. And there can be a lot of things. The ability to capture those events in the life of your customer is really a key element to be able to create those personalized experiences. So insight is really key. The ability to to mine your data, the ability to detect how things are connected, to, again, understand, but at scale, how you can use these insights to, to drive the engagement and to create those personalized experiences is really important. And journey orchestration is becoming a big thing now as well, isn't it? So that that thing of not just knowing what to do now, but but mapping the journey and having the different stages. Yes, and I would say the the, uh, the, the complexity of all this is that historically, customer journey have been very much mapped by brands saying, okay, you know, so, uh, we have a new customer, we're going to onboard them, uh, we're going to... You know, the first two months, we're going to do that for them. And then they move into that phase. So it was very much, a lot of things were thought as being initiated by the brand. But, you know, with the explosion of digital channels, with the acceleration of digital engagement, a lot of things are actually driven by the customer. So the ability for brands to capture customer-initiated action and react to that to create those consistent and continuous personalized experiences is also very important. Uh, so we, we call that like, it's more like a journey orchestration, which is a combination of a brand reacting to a customer, a customer's behavior with a brand promoting some content that is personalized because they can see this could be very relevant for a given client. Okay, so it's personalizing things at scale and following the different journeys of different people based on the signals that they're giving you through the data and things like that. Correct. And and having also anticipated, well, if a customer does that, how can I, in a real-time manner, decide what experience I should deliver to that customer at that particular moment? Uh, hence, the real-time element of it. So one thing is to, to collect data in real time but another thing is to be able to derive from data real-time insight with the ability to activate the data in real time in order to create those real-time personalized experiences and this is something that came up in i saw the adobe trends report last year was talking about this whole area of marketing operations or or MOPS, M-O-P-S, as it called it, which was 
all about being able to join the data and the workflow and the tech management and and all the different bits of of the kind of the modern marketing organization connecting it all together as i said before data is the starting point that's the fuel of the experiences then you need to be able to get insight so that you can say well that's how i want to activate my data and for that, you're going to need a lot of skills around the technology. You're going to need, able, need to be able to leverage AI in order to get to that point. And then you need to start say, okay, but I know I want to activate this data by proposing you know, a premier credit card uh, to that particular customer because we see they have the right profile and that would be very interesting for them. But how do you actually get that experience to the customer? Uh, via which channel, which type of content do you use in order to promote that particular experience to the customer. So that's really important to be able to do this. You also want to be able to make sure that whatever experience you create for the client can be, whenever relevant, shoppable. So it should be very easy for a customer to say, okay, this is quite interesting. I'll buy that. I'll buy that product or I'll activate that service. And in order to be able to do that internally, you need, as I said before, to have the right competences. And then you need to be able internally to orchestrate all this. So you know, how do you actually make sure that the different resources involved in the data collection, the insight creation, the creation of those experiences and their delivery are all working together in a very nice way so that the orchestra is playing a nice tune that results into those very impactful customer experiences. Okay, so so it's this whole thing of joining everything up, connecting everything up, gives that that experience the thing that's seamless and and just flows ac- across the different channels and the different types of content. Yeah, this is what we call you know join the dots. And when we we see more and more customers driving this via use cases. So they would, for example, say, okay, we need to increase the average value of a customer by X percent. To do this, because we know this will have the following financial impact on our business. To do this, we need the following uh, capabilities. Uh, we, need the, the, we, we need content, we need data, uh, we need to be able to activate those channels, we need to be able to to create this type of experiences. And that's how you join all the dots, right? So having this holistic view of what customer experiences you want to create and why, the why is really important, right? You don't do that just for the sake of it. You do that as as an organization because you know it's going to get you more customers, more revenue, more loyalty, and impact your top and your bottom line. And then, you know, from there, you say those are... This is, those are the, the, the use cases that I want to activate. How do I do that? And that translates into, well, I need the following te- technical capabilities. I need the following skills. I need to reorganize the way we work around that to have more agility, to be able to take into account the real-time component. Those are the kind of things that companies are really very focused on uh, as we speak. And I always ask people an open-ended question, which is, what are you curious about? But I think with you, I'm going to ask you a slightly more closed question in the same way, because I've seen you talking about this a lot recently. So it's not B2B anymore. It's B2Everyone. So has that 
is that something you've been watching closely? Is that something you think is is changing quickly, the nature of B2B and how people connect? I would say that I mean, B2C has been transforming a lot, but B2B even more. I think the, the, the B2B industries have been the one that have been very, very impacted by the pandemic. I think they were already engaged in a digitalization, but they were behind. So a lot of B2B companies have been basing their business on having a sales force, salespeople meeting with customers, demonstrating things, etc. And when the pandemic came, a lot of them were taken aback uh, and were in a very difficult position because they were they were not very equipped to drive digital engagement with their customers. So that's one thing that we see happening a lot. The other thing that we see is that the no matter the business you're in, companies are more and more interested into engaging with the final customer, either because they are there might be a b2b company in the sense that they they sell through a network of other companies but with the end customer being a private customer so we see that in the, the consumer product good business where those brands that before were extremely product focused are now really trying to engage with the end customer to create a very strong brand and to create attraction or a pool from the end customer side in order to drive demand for their products. But some other companies, you know, a company manufacturing big pumps for, for the industry, they would also start kind of promoting their brand with the end person or the end consumer or the private persons. But here it can be things around sustainability of their business in order to create you know, better awareness of their brand and to position their brand as a leading brand in some of those key themes, such as sustainability. Okay, so B2B using digital a lot more for for brand building, for demand generation. And I know there's been a big shift towards actual e-procurement and purchasing and document signing and all of that sort of stuff for, for B2B online as well. Absolutely. We... we um, We've seen a, a big surge in the demand for our electronic signature solutions, as well as a big surge in the demand for our solutions that are enabling customer onboarding digitally, because people had to do everything digitally, right? So uh, you take a loan, you cannot walk into a branch anymore and, and talk to your bank advisor. So the ability of organizations to, to engage digitally at every phase of the cycle they have with their customers has become really, really key. If you can't do that, and some, some companies have been stopping their business because the way they used to do business was made impossible by the pandemic. And that really pushed them to think, okay, we can't have that. We cannot be in a situation that could happen again where we have to stop our entire business because we are not able to adapt to market condition, in that case, uh, the ability to digitally engage, sell digitally, uh, deliver services digitally, deliver customer service digitally, et cetera, et cetera. There's the quote I keep using from, from your CEO at um, Adobe Summit, which was, we've gone from a world with digital to a digital first world, and there's no going back. It's a very good way of summing it up. And it's very, very true. So you're, you're seeing B2C, data, 
data management, insights, connecting everything up and kind of really having that that real-time personalization and experience stuff happening. But you're also seeing that happening in, in B2B as well. And basically going through everything, everything is now digital, data-driven, personalized and connected. Yes. And this is not to say that the physical world is not to be leveraged, by the way. Huh? I mean, you have brands that are fully digital from the start. But when you look at brands that historically have been analog brands or base their business on a network of stores, for example, I mean, the ability to, to be digital first, but, but merge the physical and the digital in a smart way is also uh, really important and can constitute some key differentiator for those brands. Uh, so we are, we, are, we are not saying physical will disappear. We're saying it's digital first. And how do you actually get the physical integrated in those digital engagements? Is it something where people should just be making a big jump forward? Or is it something where a better approach would be test and learn and bit by bit? So, so where are we now? Is it big jumps or is it incremental steps forward? Well, I'm a strong believer of trial and fail, because I think sometimes it's very hard to get it right first. Having said that, I think it really depends on who you are as an organization. So I can give you a couple of examples. We've seen some customers of ours that were engaged on a digitalization or digital transformation journey that was originally to be pretty progressive, right? They had a plan. They had like a five-year plan that we we had been discussing with them. Uh, we've had we had started on the first phases, and then came the pandemic. And some of those customers saw their business stop. I mean, they they their business. If you're an airline, your business just stopped, right? Travel and hospitality, the business stopped. Some business stopped because they could not get raw material to produce their products, and. Here, we've seen companies that have been very ambitious and they say, okay, this is actually a window of opportunity. We could either decide to uh, hope for the best, uh, save on cost, uh, wait until it goes away and come back to normal. Or we could say, that's an opportunity. We have a window where, (laughs) and that never happened before, but people are actually don't have much to do because our business has stopped. So let's use this as an opportunity to do a drastic and very disruptive change in the way we operate our business. And they took a big bang approach. And what they were planning to do in five years, they've done in like one. Right. So make a commitment and just go for it while the window is there. Yes. But but again, it really depends on who you are as an organization. But we I've seen things that I had never seen before like the, the, the ability of some of those companies under the pandemic, we, we actually did a, a survey or like a, with the, the London School of Economics where we looked at how different companies had reacted under the pandemic. And we, we came up with, there's actually three categories. The, one of them is called the thrivers. That's the one that I'm referring to, right? They saw this as an opportunity. They've been very 
hands-on and open to change. They they had a you know they built an organization uh, and a culture based on trust. They make very quick decisions, and they've been you know constantly looking out for. Uh, how can we get better, learn from this situation? Whereas other organizations have been a bit procrastinating and they come out of this, this pandemic really behind the category of companies that we call the thrivers. So now we're in a, a world with fast growth and everything kind of taking off again. If you've been slow to make changes to data or your tech setup, then you run the risk of not being left behind, but having slower growth than other people absolutely it's great to hear you talk about things frank it's great to hang out with you you described it as a boomerang earlier you kind of come back for a second time absolutely (laughs) okay thank you for sharing your thoughts and look forward to catching up with you face to face person to person when all the restrictions are finally lifted thank you for your time today frank you're welcome nick thank you perfect And for everyone else, I think Franck is another great example of a Nordic future maker, someone who's really pushing the boundaries of innovation, data, tech, and digital in lots of different ways. So thank you for your time today, Franck. It's been great to talk to you. You're welcome. Thank you, Nick.